Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I imagine that by now many of you already realize that in conjunction with White Crow Books, we've just launched the new Thinking Aloud Dialogues book imprint and our first title is, Is There Life After Death? Thinking Aloud Conversations on the Leading Edge of Knowledge and Discovery with Psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove as well. You could say that I'm a conversation partner with myself. And today I want to talk about the paradox of being human. The very fact that I'm presenting two versions of myself here is a hint at this paradox because, in a sense, human nature consists of two very different, I can't even call them elements, but for lack of a better word, I guess I will, two very different elements. And the first of these, obviously, is biological. There can be no doubt in anybody's mind that we, at least in part, are biological creatures. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be biological? The first thing you can say about biology is that all biological entities have a membrane. They are, you could say, cellular in nature. Even a subcellular entity like a mitochondria also has a membrane. And the distinguishing feature of the membrane is that there's an inside and an outside. The membrane encloses the organism and everything outside of the membrane is outside of the organism. So, as biological organisms ourselves, one of our deepest instincts, perhaps the deepest instinct of all for every biological organism is to recognize that there is me, that which is me inside my skin and everything else in the universe that's not me. So, the fundamental duality of all biological organisms is the duality between me and not me. If I remember correctly, it was in about 1969 that the French physicist Costa de Beauregard published an article in Scientific American reflecting on the findings of quantum physics. And the most fundamental finding that he found is that the distinction that we all hold between the subjective and the objective, in other words, the distinction between me and not me, was something of an illusion. He claimed that the findings of quantum physics suggest that the idea of the self is in effect, not confirmed by quantum physics at all, that actually everything is interconnected, entangled, we talk about, quantum entanglement. And more and more research since 1969 has affirmed that idea of quantum entanglement. 
In other words, there's a whole other aspect of our nature, completely apart from the me and not me, way in which we divide the universe. And that other aspect is all is one, that I am, you might say, a hologram. And as a hologram, I am expressing the entire universe. I am interconnected deeply, intimately with the most distant stars and galaxies and life forms on trillions of other planets, for example. When it comes to living our daily lives, the me versus not me distinction seems to be essential for survival. One has to learn how to protect oneself from predators and how to nourish and sustain the physical organism. One has to know how to find food and how not to be food. Because in the world of biology, nature feeds on itself. Every organism is dependent upon other organisms for sustenance, which pretty much means that every organism could provide sustenance to other organisms, even human beings who are at the top of the food chain, so to speak. Now, I have occasionally mentioned my own personal motto on New Thinking Aloud. Sometimes it seems silly. In fact, it seems so silly that every time I mention this motto, I preface it by saying it's an ideal toward which I strive. It is certainly not something that I can say I have achieved. And the motto, of course, is to love everyone and everything all of the time. It would seem inhuman, impossible for a human being to love everyone and everything all the time because naturally, we don't particularly love anything that we find of danger to our organism. We don't usually love spiders. We don't usually love snakes. We don't love germs, for example. And <laughs> we don't, in particular, we don't love viruses. We don't love the bad behavior of people whom we consider our enemies or people who are in any way interfering with our ambitions. You might even go so far as to say that we have huge segments of our culture emphasizing revenge, emphasizing contempt, emphasizing hatred for people who are not like us. And yet, ironically, we have deep religious teachings. I'm not a Christian, but there's something about Christianity that has actually been of great inspiration to me. It comes from Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, love your enemies. That also seems pretty inhuman. How can one love one's enemies? After all, aren't we taught to hate the devil? Aren't we taught that we should really hate our enemies? In fact, to the point of destroying them totally, unequivocally. Isn't that the way we're supposed to treat our enemies? But as I started out uh, by saying we have a dual nature, 
We have a nature in which we're already interconnected with everyone and everything in the whole universe. I'm making that claim, and I think it's backed up by quantum physics and the idea of inseparability, non-locality, quantum entanglement. I'm not a physicist, so I know physicists will be arguing these points for some time. But let me go so far as to make this claim. It's not necessarily inhuman to love everyone and everything all the time. In fact, I'll go so far as to say you are already doing it that there is part of your consciousness which exists in a state of pure, uninhibited love for everyone, for everything, for every possibility, for every activity in this physical world. Total, pure love beyond any kind of human love. I remember interviewing, for example, Elizabeth Crone about her near-death experience, and she talked about this overwhelming sense of love, and she made a point of saying, I know about love. I'm a mother, she said. But this was love so transcendent, it went way beyond the love of a mother for a child. You might say more akin to the love a mother might have for every child of every creature in this whole universe. And I'm claiming you already are there. It's part of your consciousness, but naturally, it's so deep within us, so very deep that it's obscured by the normal emotions, the ups and downs of daily life, the stresses, the heartaches, the desires of normal everyday life often keep that pure love within us hidden. Hidden so deep, we think it's inhuman that it's impossible for a human being to experience it, but I'm claiming it is part of being human. So, for me, it's not a question of striving to love everyone and everything all the time. Of course, that's impossible. I can't make myself love things that I find disgusting or hateful. But I can get in touch with the part of myself that's already there. And it's a part of myself, you might say, is akin to the divine. You know, in the Bible it says, on the seventh day, God completed his creation and God looked and saw the whole creation and God thought, this is good. God loved every bit of the creation. And we are entangled with God. You might say we are godlings. We have the God source, the God force within us. And so, by remembering my motto of loving everyone and everything all the time, in effect, I'm just reminding myself that the God force is already within me. Okay, you might say, but what about the things I hate? Uh, great example is politics. Now, I have been, and I'm 
quite open about it. I know many of the viewers are different. I've been a lifelong Democrat. And amongst lifelong Democrats, there are many things we find hateful in uh, the other party. And I'm pretty sure amongst lifelong Republicans or even temporary Republicans, there are many things you find hateful about the other party. One could say the same thing about religion. If you're a, a, an astute believer, a, an orthodox member of a religious community, there may be things you find hateful about other religions. And if you were a member of one of those other religions, there might be something you find hateful about the religion that you are now affiliated with. That makes those people even more hateful that they hate you. Now, where am I going with this? Here's the key. If you want to love everyone and everything all the time, well, surely you have to love the things you hate, but you have to love the thing, the fact that you hate them. There's, there's a paradox there. I hate you, but I love how much I hate you. In fact, I love you. But I hate you, and I love how much I hate you, and I love how much I love you. Because from the, let's call it the God's eye perspective, it seems entirely non-human. I'm claiming that it's fully human, but it's completely apart from our ego attachment to the human vehicle, the body. We have a life that is completely apart from our biology. And of course, that's a strange thing to say. There are many people who would tell you that's an impossibility because you are your body. You are nothing more than your body. Now, that would be called materialism. And I reject materialism. I think it's a, um, it's had its day, let's put it that way. And, and its day was marvelous. Its day resulted in radios and televisions and automobiles and atomic bombs. There is no end to what we can achieve through mastery of the material plane. But then one has to ask, who is it that is the master? Is the master of the material plane merely a material being? I don't think so. That's the whole point of the New Thinking Aloud channel, is to think beyond the idea that we are nothing more than cogs in a great big machine. Which isn't to say that we aren't cogs in a great big machine. Of course we are. We are members of society. We are biological creatures. For sure, no denying it. But that's not all we are. One could say that the nature of the human being, the very paradox of being human, is that we rose up from the slime, indeed, but at the same time we descended from the heavens. That our nature is both biological and spiritual. I'm not going to try to define spiritual right now. You could think of it in many different ways, but primarily I can hint and say that it's about being conscious. 
It's about awareness. It's about consciousness and the depths within ourselves. Because it is when we go most deeply within ourself, looking at consciousness, consciousness, looking at consciousness, that we may discover the part of ourselves that is already interconnected with everything, that is already passionately in love with the whole physical universe, that is passionately in love with the, the very essence of being biological, the very idea of being human, of having passions, ironically, passionately in love with sometimes feeling hatred, with sometimes feeling anger, with sometimes feeling despair. Stanislav Grof, a great psychiatrist, once described this paradox as being part of the cosmic game. And I think we can say that it has been understood by the esoteric and authentically spiritual traditions of global culture. And of course, we are all the inheritors of that global culture. So, in conclusion, let me suggest that we embrace the paradox of being human, embrace all of our faults, all of our hatreds, all of our pains, our agonies, our suffering with love. Because at the end of the day, we leave this body and we enter into a closer relationship with the part of ourself that is interconnected with everything and that can look at our physical world and our biological life through the eyes of the divine. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with us because you are the reason that we are here. We've just released issue number two of the New Thinking Aloud quarterly magazine. You can download a free copy at the New Thinking Aloud Foundation website, newthinkingaloud.org.